Welcome to Stuck in the Cry Room. We all know the cry room too well at church, the place we don't want to go. But feel we have to because of our situation. As Catholic families, many parts of our life can feel like a virtual cry room. We're stuck and don't know how to get out. Host Joe Holt and John Cox will discuss these current challenges affecting today's families. And provide practical solutions so you are no longer stuck in the cry room. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Stuck in the Cry Room. This is John Cox, and I'm here with my lovely wife, Mandy Cox. Good old Mandy Manders, as her sister calls her occasionally. Um, Jill couldn't make it here this week. Uh, she's out traveling, so uh, she'll be out this week. But So we have my lovely wife here, and um, yeah, so we're going to have a conversation yeah. today. So, But before we begin, let's go ahead and start with prayer. So, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for all your gifts. We thank you for your love and mercy. We ask that you illuminate our minds and our hearts to follow you and to serve you. We ask through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary that she may wrap us around her holy mantle and guide us and direct us into these conversations. We also give special thanks for our bodies, God, which you created to be in your image and likeness through the Incarnation. Um, we thank you for all those gifts. We ask that we treat our bodies as sacramentals as the way you intended it to be and that we always remain in the image and likeness of you, Lord Jesus Christ. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So, what are we talking about today? You know, John, we're going to talk about parenting, but parenting. in a very specific you and I, way. You and I are the best parents. <laughs> wow that's so concerning i'll go to confession now after this for lying <laughs> for lying <laughs> no i as you were praying you know to uh, the reading from sunday is the story of jesus walking on water mm. and the disciples are in the boat and they're being tossed about and jesus or peter calls out to jesus and Jesus invites him to come on to the water with yeah. him. And there's no indication that the storm was quieted beforehand. And he it's does. It's all like parenting, isn't it? This is, this I was is... getting there. I was Sorry. getting there. Totally. Look, it's great minds right. think alike. It's true. Yeah. Well, we're in so, this together. Yeah, so we're, we're walking on water with the storm That's around good. us. I think, I think that um, there are challenges that when I went into parenting, I, I didn't go in naively. I knew that there would be challenges, but man, this world has made it a tiny bit more difficult yeah, to we raise good kids. We don't get to pick the challenges, do we? No. I yeah. see. I thought too, I thought I was ready for this. Me too. And, um, yeah, obviously as, as our children are becoming teenagers, these conversations have gotten a little bit more difficult. Honestly, even before they were teenagers. Even before, yeah. I think I think that is worth spending some time talking about today. Of, yeah. Of um, how taken aback we both have been of the challenges and questions and, and things we've had to discuss much younger yeah. than we ever anticipated. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Talking about sexuality with our children. I think that's one of the interesting things was um, I thought to myself, yeah, high school, but no, I mean, you know, the, the culture, the society is robbing our children of their innocence at a much younger and younger age. And as parents, we've got to be vigilant and, and beat them to the punch, so to speak, 
And even though it may feel uncomfortable at times, um, it's important that we talk to our children about this stuff before the world does and that our bodies are sacred. Um, yeah. They're meant to be sacred. There's, we live in this culture where we kind of separate the body and soul and they, they don't attach to each other, but that's, that's not Catholic theology at all. In fact, um, we kind of see the body as a sacramental, you know, a sign or symbol of what's happening to our soul interiorly in a lot of ways. Sure. Sure. So, John, let me ask you. Oh, oh I'm getting interviewed. Okay. I'm going to get interviewed. This is your question. <laughs> All right. How prepared do you think you were in your own experience of under of your conversations as a young person with your parents? What kind of preparation did you have to oh. have these conversations oh, with so, your kids? So what kind of what kind of talk did I have with my sure. parents or my parents had with me about the birds and the bees? I would love to know. Oh, you want to <laughs> Okay, so this is this is the extent of the birds and the bees. So my dad had like a plug, okay, something you plug into the wall, um, and he had the socket, and he said, "This is the male, <laughs> this is the female. The male goes into the female." <laughs> Do you have any questions? Are you sure he wasn't just trying to give you a little bit of like um, education in electricity and like the lamp oh, and how it plugs in? Well, when you and I came together, there was plenty of electricity. <laughs> That's lots enough. of electricity. That's enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was the extent of the birds and the bees talk to my dad, particularly. So fortunately, because I had my conversion in high school, you know, I struggled, but I knew what the church taught. And I knew about chastity and. Uh, waiting until you, you're married and stuff like that. So that was the blessing. If I didn't have my conversion in high school, I don't know where I would have ended up. Where do you think you got most of that exposure? Was it at youth group or I just think, talks? Um, that's a good, no, it wasn't a youth group. <laughs> the youth group I was in was not a very good youth group. Um, <laughs> you know, I I just wanted to follow God, and I, I knew traditionally you wait till yeah. you're married, and that mm -hmm. was it. And, uh, you know, I think my attitude was... Um, when I'm old enough to get married and have kids and I'm old enough to have sex. Like I kind of, it was the Holy Spirit probably making the connection. Um, and God's grace. A lot of it was Our Lady and praying the rosary and um, asking for her intercessions and things of that nature. So, yeah, to be honest, I, yeah, there are times I did fall into sin, like I think many teenagers have. And, you know, but thankfully I was able to wait till we're married to actually be together. And um, that was a blessing. But how about you? How, what was it like in your house? Well, you have these like these kind of round table discussions I heard so much about. <laughs> well, my family, I was involved in the pro-life movement from a young age. And I grew up with five older brothers and sisters. So by the time I was not very old, my siblings were already in their teens. And so there were a lot of conversations and um, all not ever the sense that there was something you couldn't ask a question about. So I'm very thankful for that. I mean, like my own brother was one of the ones that was giving me the chastity talk and talking about, you know, waiting until you're married to have sex. And, you know, he was in his early 20s. He was a young married man. And, and that was very deeply impactful. I still mm. remember the conversation with him. And, and it wasn't just something my parents were talking about, but it was really like the culture of, of what I was raised in. Now, in that, there were struggles. There were some of my siblings who didn't follow that teaching at all. I also saw the destruction of that. I saw the challenges that that brought because I was young enough yeah. that I was able to see that. But I will actually say the, the thing that was difficult um, was most of my experience at church 
was either we don't talk about it at all or it was an um sex is kind of dirty uh, bad and dirty getting pregnant when you're young is bad so pregnancy kind of had this sense of like especially as a young woman pregnancy is going to ruin your life all your dreams all your plans will go away and then um so that was kind of the negative on the side where they were trying to encourage probably something more positive was a hyper focus on modest dress Mm. that really as a young woman was what I got the sense of was if I'm going to be chased, that happens because I'm in a long skirt and a floral shirt or a jean jumper. (laughs) Like those are your choices. (laughs) If you don't want to have sex, you've got to dress like it. No, I'm kidding. Um, So as a young person, you know, I had really good family foundation, but there was a lot that was confusing to me as far as like, um, oh, the practical sides of it. And I will say um, in working and teaching uh, natural family planning with young married couples, the number of young women who were coming into marriage with the attitude that babies were bad I don't want to ever have a baby. They're going to ruin my life. I'll have a baby 10 years from now. That there was a, that trend was a very, very yeah. common. No, actually, now that you mentioned that, that, that was kind of my thought process in my teenage years. Like the worst thing I'd ever want to do was get someone pregnant. So that kept me, you know. Well, and it impacted our early marriage. Yeah. You know, right? Yeah. I mean, and so those, those attitudes and thought processes um, are impactful. Yeah. And so I think as we've come into our parenting, the desire to give a very positive, true representation of the truth of who we are as human beings, the truth of church teaching. Um, I think you and I both came into marriage knowing that that was something that we wanted to do. Yeah, I think John Paul II's Theology of the Body was heavily influential in both of our lives as it was just coming out when we were first married. Yeah, yeah. So... um, well, let me ask you this question. Oh, okay. Look at me interviewing you. <laughs> okay. Joe's gone. Joe's so I gone. get to ask all the I'm, questions. I'm not very good at asking the questions. I'm terrible it's at not it. true. So, as we've come into being parents and yeah. we have a house full of kiddos, oh, yeah. what has been the most surprising or unexpected thing that you have encountered? My inadequacy. Because oh, yeah. because all I knew was about a plug and a socket. So <laughs> there was a lot about electricity. Also, don't use a fork. I don't yeah. know. It's very <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think part of it was the young age. I think that was one of the things. Like I was not expecting to have these difficult conversations with our children at such a young age. Like I said, I mean, we're learning that the culture is robbing them of their innocence at a younger and younger age. So I just was not prepared to have these these conversations with our children so young and then trying to walk the line of, of not giving too much information, but making it age appropriate. Yeah. And, but also still being very clear and not being afraid to deal with the difficult issues and the difficult problems with sexuality. And now with, with everything else going on with, with homosexuality or I should say same sex attraction and, um, transgender and all that stuff. Um, yeah, you and I were not planning on having those conversations. I'm sure. No, no, no. But you're very good at it. I mean, one of the things I admire most about you is that, like, you ha- you've learned to have those conversations with your family, and even though it's difficult, you do such a good job. Um, what's the word? Navigating the waters. And I'm terrible. <laughs> I, I'm just like on a ship, just just ringing the dinghy, saying, "Just get out of the way, make way." And um, 
but you do a terrific job just navigating the waters of having these difficult conversations. And I love being with you as we're talking uh, with our kids about these hard conversations. Yeah, I, I will say that equally. I've grown in respect and really um, admiration of your navigating the conversations and putting yourself, even though it's uncomfortable, oh, totally. really learning yeah. how to do it has been neat to see both of us grow up in that. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. I think that's, that's an interesting thing. Like I, you know, one of the things I've had to learn was saying, I, I can't say, well, you just can't do that. You're not old enough. Or we just yeah. don't do that. Yeah. Like you just, I, I'm so used to being told when I was growing up, well, we don't do that or you can't do that or you shouldn't do that. And that was the extent of the conversation. Yeah. And so my initial reaction is say, well, don't do that. You know, yeah. don't have sex yeah. outside of marriage. Okay. That conversation's over moving on, but it doesn't work that way anymore. Yeah. So what about you? What do you, what do you think was the most difficult one for you? Well, I have, I have three things. I'm going to tell you that okay. were difficult. That's okay. why we're doing this podcast because right. it's hard stuff. It so, is hard stuff. Number one hard thing. Okay. These conversations hit you out of nowhere. Yeah. You're nonchalantly eating dinner. You're pouring yourself some water. You are washing the kitchen table. And all of a sudden, one of your kids is like, hey, mom, what is this? Yeah. What does this mean? Yeah. Or what a I heard on a this. Slang. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So I think so you have to Google the slang. I'm sure. Oof, don't ever Google. Yeah, don't, don't look at do the that. images. Don't <laughs> click images. Um, so the kind of a um, unexpectedness of these conversations. That's a challenge. The other challenge is that I can think I have a pretty good grasp of what's going on with each one of my kids, and then all of a sudden find out that they think something, oh, yeah. that they believe something, that someone in their life has influenced them. And I had no idea in that that could have been going on for some length of time. Yeah, like making those assumptions. Wow. Yeah. How wow. many times we both made those assumptions, everything was okay. Yeah. Very, very humbling, very humbling and terrifying sometimes. And then um, the third thing that really has um, caught me off guard is how deeply influenced they are by the language and culture without me realizing it. And so I think that's one of the challenges um, that has, has really been humbling and hard to kind of navigate. And you kind of mentioned this when you said, you know, maintaining their innocence while at the same time talking about what really needs to be talked about in that moment is that there's a lot of things that are dressed up to look really pretty and lovely and attractive and wonderful. And like, this is what good people do. And those thoughts just get into your mind. You don't, especially for a child, I don't think they even know to, to judge that. They just think, oh, this is what we do. And so all of a sudden something will come up or a thing will be said that I didn't even know that that was a belief system in them. And I feel almost overwhelmed and inadequate yeah. to be able to address it. And so I think those things have been uh, pretty challenging. Yeah. Well, you've handled them very well. Well, you too. Well, I, okay, yeah, at the moment, maybe. Not. This <laughs> is this is one of the things when we do talk to our kids about this stuff, usually we give it 24 hours or a day to just kind of 
first of all, Manny and I talk to each other first, like what make sure we're on the same page and we're having the same conversation because sometimes I may think like, this is the problem. And she's like, no, 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 this is actually, as I talk to one of our children or vice versa, I'm like, actually, this is what's going on. And, you know, so the first thing is make sure we both see the issue. And that's the thing. And this is the key here is that it's the problem is not the kids or any of this no. stuff. The problem is, is you look at the issue and you deal with the issue. I think one of the things that's happened is as a lot of these crazy things have popped up that we were not expecting about talking about sexuality with our children was these things and, you know, these weird things stuff. And um, just, just remaining calm and not being mad at them, you know? Yeah. And just I, being like, yeah. okay, let's just have a conversation. If we're not awkward about it, then they're not going to feel awkward about it. Yeah. I agree. I think that's the challenging thing about what I said about the unexpected conversations yeah. that come up is kind of being able to pull a poker face out and to allow you, you know, have, have you met either of us? I <laughs> so I think, you know, your point, and I really think actually you're the influence on me in this regard is not everything has to be addressed in this moment, this second. Sometimes the best thing we can do is, is go retreat to our bedroom, have a conversation together, pray. Um, unfortunately, I don't know how most parents are, but I tend to like worry and cry and fret. And then I remember, oh yeah, I guess I could pray. <laughs> so that might help. Yeah. I wish I did that in the opposite order. Maybe I'll get there. But, um, but that sometimes that often if, if we take that moment, you and I are on the same page. Mm -hmm. We've had a conversation about where our main concerns are, kind of gotten rid of the fluff. Yeah. That can feel scary, but really yeah. we need to get to the heart of the matter. Um, oh, I you think said the magic word, the heart of the, the matter. The heart of the matter. I do say that. I love that. <laughs> I don't think these people know that, but I do say heart of the matter a lot. But, okay. But we do, we have to get down to the, to the real crux of the matter, the concern, mm -hmm. and address that directly. So I'm very thankful for, for that. I think that's been helpful. Yeah. Any other ways you think we've dealt with these, this, um, in a positive way, in a positive way. Yeah, sure. So I think that, um, one of the things that as we've encountered, particularly when we went through a time where we realized that there were influences going on in our kid's life and we literally had no clue, like, yeah. like all of a sudden a revelation comes out and you're yeah. like, uh, what is this that you have been, rem um, very mindful in reminding me of praying that their guardian angels will protect them, yeah. asking for the intercession of St. Michael. Um, there is a, you can find it on the internet if you Google, this is something you can Google. Not all the things you can Google, but this you can. It's called the Chaplet of St. Michael. Very short, probably takes five. 10 minutes, yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe 10 minutes. Very short, very easy to pray. Um, you, you know, you were the one that brought that up. Um, and that has been, I really feel, you know, the presence of our guardian angels our children's guardian angels and St. Michael himself. And, and remembering that we're not alone in this, like we have their saints and, and our angels defending and, and us. And that God's invested in them more than we are. I think that's, that's the key thing is, is, um, realizing that, you know, God doesn't want them to be abandoned, that they have a vocation, a plan for them. And so God's not going to be like, oh, well, sorry, you're on your own, mom and dad. Have fun doing the talk. I don't feel, I'm God. I don't feel comfortable with this talk. So I am <laughs> out of this conversation. <laughs> I think that's one of the beautiful things about theology to body is talks about the sacredness and holiness of sex. And you presented that to your children. It's a whole different ballgame. Um, 
we have, uh, it's so funny. So I'm here Friday working in my office and um, this wonderful woman calls me. Her name is Monica Ashour. And she calls me up and she wants to come to meet with me to talk about some Theology of the Body books for children, different ages. And it was so funny because I met her, I think I met her once back in Texas. Um, I think maybe it was a pro-life um, banquet or something. Uh, you met her a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. So it was you know, it was funny because I ran into her, I met her, she didn't remember who I was at all, but it was great. And, and once she remembered who I was, it was wonderful talking and catching up with her. But um, she has written some amazing, amazing books for children and for parents as well um, that talk about the theology of the body and different grade levels, different age levels. So you can have these conversations that are age appropriate, starting from like first grade, second grade and working your way up. And it talks about the sacredness and the holiness of sexuality, the sacredness and holiness of our bodies, um, what that means. I think this is the whole point is like, you know, I told you about my experience yeah. about the birds and the bees. Yeah, it was pretty awkward because I didn't realize um, the sacredness of it all. This is why we save sex for marriage because it needs to be protected as such. It's so sacred and so holy. Um, God has given us beautiful sacrament to protect it. You know, and what I, what's really cool is that it can be in the proper context when it within marriage, it can be a means of holiness. Yeah, absolutely. A means of sanctification. The marital bed can be a means of sanctification, but you never hear that. No, and no. Because my thought attitude was, it's something dirty, you hide it, all this stuff, because for me, it was always connected with the sinful stuff. But once I realized it's sacred and holy and you have that positive aspect, um, it makes those difficult conversations much better and actually is able to help guide those conversations in the right direction, which you do amazing job at. Cause you always ask our kids when they have these difficult conversations, you ask them the right questions. I, I just bulldoze them over. Then you kind of stop me, which is a good thing, but, <laughs> but you know how to just ask the right questions so they can lead to the natural conclusion of sacredness. Be, uh, sorry, yeah. sexuality being sacred. So before we move on, oh. cause sometimes we get trapped in our own Catholic Lingo. Yeah. Can you quickly tell us what the theology of the body is as a as a work, as a literary work? What is it? Are you testing me? No, just where did it come from? Okay. Well, it, it came from on John Ball II. He would make his Wednesday audiences. I think it was for four years in the late 80s. It's a long time. Man. Yeah. Yeah. In the late 80s, he'd make, you know, the Wednesday audience. And for about four years or so, he talked about the sacredness of the human person, um, Actually, even going back to Vatican II, if you go back to Vatican II, where John, St. John Paul II was, there was this understanding of starting with the human person, what does it mean to be fully human in, in the light of God? St. John Paul II took that idea and ran with it and really started this, this um, anthropology, this Christian anthropology, what it means to be human. And of course, that incorporates sexuality and marriage and all that stuff as well. So he did these talks for four years, and of course, those talks became... Uh, a book, basically, and there's so much theology that people and theologians have been unpacking for the last 20 years or so, at least. So. At least. Yeah, so Monica um, is somebody that I knew back in Texas um, pretty well. She runs an organization called Tobit, so it stands for Theology of the Body Evangelization Team, so T-O-B-E-T, -E and she as well as many other amazing Catholics that we have um, in our current cult our current culture here in America are trying to take these teachings of John Paul II and unpack them and make them digestible mm -hmm. for most of us, right? Yeah. So John Paul II was 
brilliant. He had multiple degrees. He taught philosophy. He brought so, down Russia and communism. He brought, you know, you know, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I'm sure. Yeah. Our Lady. <laughs> Survived multiple assassination attempts, you know, whatever. But um, Just like every pope has gone just through. Like, <laughs> just like me. Um, so his writing is incredibly powerful, but pretty intimidating and hard mm-hmm. to digest for those yeah. of us who are definitely not used to reading that level of philosophy and theology. So there are many great authors, you know, we have, you know, Jason Everett and his wife, Crystalline. We have Chris Fanick, you know, you have Christopher West, you know, all these people who have taken the theology of the body and tried to make it more um, approachable for those of us who, who aren't quite used to that level of reading. Um, and they've done a great job for the materials for adults. What's interesting about what Monica has developed here, so the program is called The Body Matters. And she does it grade by grade. It's actually a curriculum. Like there's it's a, a whole, whole curriculum. Yeah. So John actually has set in his office. So if you ever want to swing by and take a gander, uh, you can always yeah. swing by and see it. So she introduced it to me this past summer and and um we started using it with our kids. And what's beautiful about the way that she approaches this is it's really understanding who I am as a person. Mm -hmm. What does it mean to be made in the image and likeness of God? What's it mean to be a daughter of God, a son of God? So it's not like, hey, let's talk about the light plug and the socket. It is (laughs) really giving this whole foundation that as parents and together with your kids, you can enter into in a really non-threatening way. Don't yeah. you think, John? Yeah, no, like like we have some books here and like one of them, this is level four, it's called Embodied and Friendship. And I love it. Like you're going through it and she talks about all the different forms and types of friendship. And you think, well, what, what does friendship have to do with theology of the body? Well, the answer is everything because if people, one of the reasons why our society is so over-sexualized is because they don't understand the meaning of friendship. They think if you feel ha- if you have feelings towards another person, then it has to be sexual, and that's not what friendship is at all. You can have very deep, intimate feelings with another person of the same sex, but it's not sexual at all. That's called friendship. I remember you and I had our talk with our children about that very thing. Yeah, that has been actually one of the most heartbreaking things for me to realize is how our society has destroyed friendship and it has taken those deep, really meaningful relationships that we should be having when we're in fifth and sixth and seventh grade. And we're learning what it means to be me. And we have these friendships with somebody who is the same gender as myself and that our society has twisted that to mean sexual relationships. And that is destructive beyond, I think, what we really can anticipate that to mean. I think when we see these kiddos grow up 10, 15, 20 years from now, I'm afraid that that's when we'll really see what we've done, which has taken something so pure and good and Mm. important in adolescent development, and we've twisted it to mean something it wasn't And that's the good thing about these books. So her book, on friendship goes through all this. Yeah. So if you have that difficult conversation with your children, you can read this book with your children. It actually gives you guides, a guide book too as well. Well, and I will share that has been so awesome to see. So we took 
because our kids have not been doing this program, even though we have kids all the way up in, you know, who are 16 years old. We took, we started with the fifth grade level. Monica actually said fifth grade was a good grade if, even if you have older kids, that is kind of a pivotal Mm -hmm. foundation mark if you're going to start later than the courses had recommended. So we just sit around. It's probably a 15 to 30 minute, really, I mean, the book, it's a couple pages that we yeah. read. I don't know, probably it, the total reading time may take three minutes. Yeah, and just gives you basic principles. Yeah, and it is so applicable to them. It's really been awesome to see. So, you know, we can have all the kids sitting together. There may be times that a topic comes up that I can tell the older ones need to talk about more explicitly, that I may not feel comfortable with the younger ones being there. And so being able to say, let's finish our conversation here together as a family, and then let's go in the basement and the older kids can come down and have a more explicit conversation. Obviously what they're dealing with and exposed to is a little bit more than my terms. (laughs) Yeah. And a little bit more than my nine-year-old needs to hear. And so, but it creates a very non-threatening way to talk about the true beauty of the church's teaching. I, and I agree with you, John, I think one of the most damaging things we can do is to say the church's teaching is just no, yeah, no, no. And I think this is where so many people have so many misconceptions because a lot of times as Catholics, we say, well, the church says dot, dot, dot. The church says dot, dot, dot. As if somehow the church is creating truth. That's not how the church works. The church is, is like the moon. It's simple reflection of Jesus Christ and reflects Jesus. Just like Mary reflects Jesus Christ, like she sometimes is called the moon and she reflects Jesus. The church is that same image in the sense that she doesn't create her own truth. She simply proclaims what is already true. So these teachings about the human person go all the way back to Genesis as John Paul II spends so much talking about the story of Genesis and Adam and Eve. And before the fall, that's what God intended all of us to be. That is what we're supposed to be. That was his plan. The state we're in now, that's not that wasn't part of the plan, but guess what? He was able to redeem that part of the plan. He yeah. redeemed, and this is the point, is that he not only redeemed our souls, he redeems our bodies because we're both yeah. body and soul. We're not angels. I remember I did a talk on sacramentals a couple of weeks ago, and I said, I told Joe, we're not angels. We have yeah. a physical body, and we don't worship it, but at the same time, we don't deny it. Yeah. It's a balance yeah. between body and soul. Awesome, awesome. So, John, if you had one tip for parents as they enter into these conversations, what's one tip you would give? Okay, so my my one tip, actually, I have several tips. So, um, oh, I think wow. that, go ahead. Yeah, I know. Huh? The first tip, the first tip is you and your spouse have to be on the same page um, and supportive. Um, Manny has done a great job doing the conversations. Because of my upbringing, I'm not very good with these conversations, but I want to learn and I'm trying. So when we're sitting down, she's doing a lot of talking. I'm backing her up. But there are times things will reverse as well if I see things. So I think one of the things is mom and dad need to have a conversation first and don't panic. (laughs) Okay. Don't panic. Um, You might have to have a glass of wine. That's okay too. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with just one glass of wine. But, um, let the Holy Spirit guide you pray. One of the things I'm glad we're doing is we're praying the rosary every day because I think there's a lot of graces there. I think we underestimate the power of the sacraments. We underestimate the power of confession. And I think one of the things we also talked about before is a lot of times when we have these conversations, we ask our children, do we need to go to confession? Yeah, I think that's one thing to not be afraid to say. Um, 
I know there's been a few circumstances where we are coming to the end of one of these difficult conversations, and I can tell that my child is convicted. They realize that they entertained thoughts and ideas that they shouldn't have. They had participated in something that they shouldn't have. And you can see that they are recognizing at that moment the con- the seriousness mm-hmm. of it. And to give them that real sense of confession, yeah. to say, hey, why don't we go to confession on Thursday and you can talk to Father about it. Yeah. And having that be... This is not meant to beat yourself up or to cover yourself in shame mm-hmm. and to have that moment where we recognize, oh man, I totally messed up. Let me go to confession. I love, I love when they go to confession because mm-hmm. when they come out, they're like, oh man, I feel so free. Why did I do that? Why did I go down that road? Like, it's so funny how they see it so clearly with the sacrament. Like, even though we told them, we guided them. They're like, yeah, we trust you because your mom and dad. And that's, I think that's an important thing, you know, because we told them about this stuff before the world has, we have a little bit more, they have a little bit more trust in us. But when they go to confession and they come out, they're like, yeah, mom, you were right. You know, dad, you're right. And we say, oh yeah, it's God's grace. The whole church is right. Yeah. Because the church is proclaiming simply what God has already taught us through scripture and tradition. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, I agree. So yeah, go ahead and if you can, uh, we'll post. Uh, if you go to tobit.org, T-O-B-E-T.org, you can find some of the stuff. And I'll have a display. Monica was great and very gracious to us. She gave us like a bunch of books, uh, even a display case. So I don't know if these are for sale. I, I'm going to talk to her. Um, but if you want to look at the content and what there is, and you want to get your hands on these, um, please feel free to come down to the catechesis office. We'll have them on display. And I'll be happy to answer any questions you may have about this. And I think this goes from maybe first grade, I have to check, um, up to maybe seventh or eighth grade. And again, it's all age appropriate. And as parents, this will be great for you to study this stuff as well. Um, I've, I have had so many misconceptions. Then I married you. And you straightened me out, babe. <laughs> well, you know it. <laughs> you know it. Yeah. So. The other thing I just want to add with that, John, the beauty of this too and timing is, uh, you know, the state of Colorado has passed some pretty significant laws regarding what is going to be taught to our children yeah. in the public school system right. regarding gender identity and gender and then leading into conversations about sex and sexuality and homosexuality and and they're they're not shy Uh, about the direction they intend to take these conversations. And so if we are silent, our children will assume that they're right. Because if we raise good kids, they've been raised to trust adults. And so being able to have loving, clear conversations from the get-go that are not hateful, that are not condemning, but are clear in what the truth is, is the most healing thing that we can do and the most powerful thing that we can do for our kids. So the timing of her curriculum here couldn't be better. I I absolutely agree. I know she had this out for a while, but this curriculum is needed now more than ever for every family. And now that the domestic church is taking on a whole new meeting with this whole COVID, we're all together and, you know, we can't always rely on people outside of our families to, to teach this stuff. Um, As a domestic church, you know, Parents have a responsibility to teach, if anything, this now more than ever, because this is where the line is drawn between the Catholic Church and the culture. And um, I hear so many 
parents, older people who are saying how their kids left the church. And I'm convinced this might be one of the reasons why is because they didn't understand the sacredness and holiness of, of the marital bed of sex, you know? Yeah. And so. the world is not silent. Can I say one more thing? Yeah, sure. So when, when 2020 became 2020, I still have my, have my prayer journal where I wrote down some of my thoughts about what I wanted for 2020, what I was hoping God would lead me to in the next decade. And probably sometime in April, I thought, and I laughed because I had read back over those things, and I thought, oh my gosh, we had no clue what 2020 was going to bring us, right? Like, man. But I had this moment where it was very clear to me, God already knew. He already knew. So 20, you know, January 1st, 2020, and I'm writing in my journal all these things of what I think the decade's going to bring or that this year is going to bring. God at that moment already knew what was coming right here. He was not surprised. And that, I feel like, has been the theme that God has had on my heart this whole year, which is God is not surprised. So whenever you hit these moments where you're totally caught off guard, you had no idea this conversation was coming, cling to the Father. Mm -hmm. He knows it. He already knows what's going on. When I was clueless about things that my kids were struggling with or, or dealing with, He already knew. So when you have those moments of surprise... and intimidation and concern. Remember, oh, God, you're already here. And the second part of that is he's already prepared you for this. His grace is sufficient. So in those moments, just take a breath, turn to each other, turn to God, and he will not fail you. Yeah. And also I say turn to St. Joseph as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, because yeah, yeah. he's a model of true masculinity and what that looks like, you know, and the Blessed Mother and her true femininity. Yeah. You know, also, too, as I was saying before, um, you know, parents got to be on the same page, but I know that there are parents out there who may not be. Sure. And, and, or parents who might be single or divorced. Don't be afraid of teaching the truth. Yep. You know, if, if yep. your spouse isn't on the same page and you know this is the truth, this is your evangelization. This is you raising your child in the faith. So... And we'll pray for you. Uh, yeah. You know, I know that's another struggle. Is a lot of parents just have, see this very, very differently. Yeah. Um, so, um, always ask, always ask Our Lady Endure of Knots. When you and I get in a fight, I always pray to Our Lady Endure of Knots uh, to get those knots out of the way, so you and I can can figure things out together. Yeah. Um, and usually, we don't do anything until we do. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But and- at the same time. We don't delay either. I think that's the other temptation is to put it off and say, well, we're not going to do it until usually we give ourselves about 24 hours. Yeah. Because yeah. you're waiting longer than you might have lost the moment. So, yeah. Anyways. All right. Well, good times. Well, thank you all for joining us. Thank you, Miss Manders. Uh, sure. For joining sure. us. And um, we'll have Joe here next week. And uh, yeah, I guess we'll figure out what we're talking about then. So. All right, so go to our Facebook page, like us, and um, God bless, and take care, and bye.